Hey there, Andy. Hey, Adam. You, uh, I was just curious. Do you have a set member of every staff at every NFL stadium where you can just get like a quick six pack on the way out the door? I mean, I, I wish I did. That sounds like the total VIP treatment to me or, or the ultimate sign of respect. Something positive going on around this league. That's for darn sure. We'll have a little bit of an expose. Eli Manning, man about town. As we dive into a brand new episode of One Giant Podcast. And as always, along with Andy Makowitz, I'm Adam Armbrecht, coming to you each and every week, talking all things New York football giants. And as we will, of course, take a little peek back against the Redskins matchup there and what Daniel Jones was able to do for our New York football giants. A peek ahead at a big game to close out the season against division rivals Philadelphia Eagles. But first, Andy, I know we have a lot of things we want to get to here is Pat Shermer's seat not so hot anymore? This is the byproduct of winning games and your franchise quarterback looking good. I'm, I, I, you know, you said it to me a couple weeks ago, right, right before uh, the Dolphins game, and I thought you were crazy when you said, you know, if he goes on a little run here, it might not be too crazy to think that they're going to stick around with him and. Uh, you look at how the team performed against the Dolphins. You know, look at how they performed against the Redskins, albeit two teams that are in, in the bottom five, just like us. I'm starting to worry that a lot of eggs are going to be put in this Philadelphia Eagles game basket. Now, I was hoping for because we'll we'll touch on this a little bit later as we as we work through the show here. But if you could have been a fly on the wall when I was having this conversation with, with Andy Makowitz, uh, I think last week even when I brought it up again, this was a this was a lose-your-mind moment for Andy, and I just couldn't recapture that same energy here on the podcast, unfortunately. But this, you, you were on the edge a little I, bit. You know, what, you know what it is, Adam? It, it just frustrates me because this is exactly the way dysfunctional organizations work. When you put all your chips into one final meaningless game or one stretch of games against teams that are in the bottom five, and you say, well, look at, look at the promise that we're showing. Look at where we can go. It blows my mind. We forget the totality of the season. We forget the totality of Pat Shermer's coaching career. And we boil it down to a game at home week 17 that says, hey, if we could spoil the Eagle season, maybe we should keep this dysfunction around maybe for, for one more year just to see what happens. Yeah, for, for sure. And there's a little bit of that. There's a little bit of fire, friends, that we were hoping to get out of, out of Mr. Andy Makowitz. So we're, we're coming off the, the Christmas holiday, obviously. I hope that uh, you and yours had a nice time. Uh, we'll uh, listen. I'm going to gloss over the pleasantries, to be honest with you. The big news for me was the Redskins game, right? What were your takeaways here? Again, against another bad team, division rival, certainly. But this is a game where, you know, again, maybe another phase of the Daniel Jones coming out party. I first want to give myself a little pat on the back. Oh, okay. I I mean, the one thing that we said last week to our listeners was the thing that we know that's going to happen for sure in this game is going to be the over is going to hit. I think the over was 41, maybe some on some sites it was 41 and a half. The New yeah. York Giants got 41 on their own. The over in this game hit halfway through the second quarter. And if I'm not mistaken, I think I predicted that the New York Giants would come out on top. So, Adam, I feel like we gave the listeners exactly what they needed uh, Sunday morning before they were placing some of their wagers in. I like when I come out confident and crisp. I make my game predictions, and I just move on with the podcast, right? I don't dilly-dally. So same thing for me. I, I don't think I had any issues there making yeah, there was, a selection. There, there, was, there was nothing of you taking the Redskins and then no. taking the Giants and, mm-hmm. and waffling, yeah. just, just leaving our listeners right in the middle so you can – you can take whichever side looked pretty good. So that was, that was nice of you to do that. Yeah. Well, the bottom line is what you want to do, uh, you know, is listen to the entire podcast. That's what I'm doing there, Andy. I'm baiting the listeners. Make sure you go all the way through because if you don't, you may not realize when Adam's true genius shines through and he gets that selection in there at the last possible second. Yes, talking in third person, but please go on. Well, no, Adam, listen, we can talk about your genius another day. I think the genius that we need to talk about is the way that Daniel Jones played in this game. I mean, 
Daniel Jones threw for 352 yards, had five touchdowns and zero picks. And Adam, according to the Elias Sports Bureau, that, my friend, is the first time a rookie QB has ever thrown for 350, had five touchdowns and no interceptions in a game. No, it's a, it's a beautiful one, man. And by the way, for a first for any NFL quarterback, I mean, you know, we know that stats are trending in an upwards direction, but there's been a handful of years now with a handful of very talented players. By the way, you could even throw out, I mean, you know, the likes of Patrick Mahomes, who didn't get a chance his rookie season, but they usually track these kinds of things, even going into their second years, depending on how their starts shake out. This is great. This is, this is amazing to see Daniel Jones do this. This marks his third game over the course of the season that he's thrown for at least four touchdowns. Uh, and in this one, five touchdowns, no interceptions. Really probably felt like, again, bad defense. That's okay. This looked like his most complete game from a quarterbacking perspective. And you and I had talked about this following two weeks off for Daniel Jones from the injury. What, was, what were you going to see from him that maybe you hadn't early in the season and that maybe you'd say this was a benefit of having sat down? And for me, what I saw was getting the ball out of his hands quicker, acknowledging when a play was done faster and throwing it away, and even when he extended outside the pocket, just understanding that the play was dead and moving on from it. He only had, I think, one incident in the entire game uh, that was a little questionable when he tried to go for it on a third down play. But other than that, played a very clean game in and outside the pocket and just an incredibly positive sign for a Giants fan. Yeah, and, and you couple Daniel Jones's brilliance with the reemergence of Saquon Barkley of old. Uh, I mean, we can't discount the fact that Saquon Barkley rushing 22 times, 189 yards and a touchdown on the ground, and then came through the air with four catches, 90 yards and a touchdown. You know, he was all over the field. And this is the type of, of, of thing that Giants fans can get excited about. Because if we see Daniel Jones have this type of accuracy and be able to move the ball down the field, you know, short passes, long passes, slant passes, get the ball out of his hands quickly and marry that with the idea of Saquon being able to rip off large gains like he did in this game, both in the air and on the ground, you start to see the, the dynamic offense that we could have just based on those two players alone. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, some of that conversation in and around, what are the issues that we were getting w with the injury for Saquon Barkley? You know, how do, we, how, do, how, how do we weigh this thing and know whether or not he's healthy and it's a step back for him or just that he still is injured? I think these last couple of weeks have shown you that it was ultimately just trying to get healthy. He wanted to be back on the field. I don't think the coaching staff was going to deny him that. And then you start to see him finding that rhythm again, finding some of those dynamic cuts that you like. And, and the specific pieces out of, that, out of the backfield, right? Even though you saw them getting a couple of those looks here and there leading into these last handful of games, uh, this one specifically in the Washington game, it was a weapon out of the backfield and, and one that they were exploiting against a very susceptible uh, Redskins secondary. It, it was. And, and the other thing that I liked is you saw the emergence of some of the young players. Look at – Caden Smith, right? Six catches, 35 yards, had the game-winning touchdown in overtime, had two on the day. It's nice to see our young talent like Saquon, like Sterling Shepard, like Caden Smith, like Daniel Jones, all performing well. And, and, you know, I keep saying it, but I want to bang on this drum on, on the offense. If we give Daniel Jones time and we shore up that offensive line, you can see what will happen for holes for Saquon Barkley, opening up play action for Daniel Jones. This has the makings of being a more dynamic offense than what we've seen so far this year. So I got, I got two, two pieces here for you. First of all, you just highlighted there Caden Smith. I really liked him coming into – I know we're going to get into the Philly game here in a minute, but uh, with Ellens, uh, Ellison down, Remmers is going to be out as well, so that means uh, you could see Gates. I know he had a shoulder issue, but uh, Simonson also out. So Caden Smith is going to be the only healthy tight end on the roster for the Giants, so he's going to get – uh, obviously, hopefully the bulk of the share in terms of opportunities from a receiving perspective, and then going to give you some help on that offensive line with some blocking. Now, this is another one that I, I, I want to get that hot take off of Andy Makowitz. You kind of lost your mind via text message when we talked about the Evan Ingram piece and the ability to think about moving on from him in the offseason. Isn't the emergence of Caden Smith just another piece to that puzzle? where you have to reasonably take a step back and say, look what this practice squad cut player from the San Francisco 49ers has been able to do for us? Adam, I did. I, I did lose my mind a little bit. I thought it was absurd. And 
preposterous. And uh, for the listeners, well, I was just making the case that if you could trade away Evan Ingram in the offseason potentially for a, a high third round and maybe a fifth round kicker or something along those lines to get assets to fill holes on your team, uh, when you see the way uh, a relatively unknown tight end has been able to perform, you have to consider that when you're in the, in the process of a rebuild. And Andy Matkowitz didn't appreciate that. Well, I, you know, admittedly, I said I would take a first-round pick. I would not take a third-round pick. Mm-hmm. And a, a lot of people <clears throat> on some of the different message boards and, and Giants insiders are are saying that if it's a top-50 pick, then they have to consider it. So I think uh, I thought it was absurd to even think about it at the beginning. But as you see this team start to develop and you think about replenishing some of the assets that Gettleman has – basically given away in the DeAndre Baker and Leonard Williams moves that he's made. Uh, I, I could understand more about pulling the trigger on that. Right. So I mean, that was just, that's, that's the footnote of it. And ultimately what I think we can be excited about is that in fact, this is a guy uh, in Caden Smith who has stepped up and performed for us. And it feels like when you got some of these older tight ends, certainly uh, Rhett Ellen, Ellenson, and then you talk about Simonson also 27, 28 years old, these contracts, you know, they can move on from them in the off season and at least feel like you're also rebuilding what may feel like a very secondary component when you talk about areas of need. But remember, this tight end room hasn't been the strongest for us over the years. Even with Evan Ingram present there, uh, from a blocking perspective, we've been very weak. So if you can start to get some of these kind of players in the door for you, you also start to check the box of strengthening the offensive line, run and pass blocking, and then giving yourself at least some viable weapons. And we've seen Daniel Jones lean on, on Caden Smith in a couple of games here. Uh, you know, since he's come back from injury. So I've I, I liked that. Well, well, Adam, I, I, you know, I think it's a smooth transition because you started talking about moving on from people at the, at the end of the season, mm. um, knowing that Caden Smith is going to be there. There is one person that without a doubt, the Giants will be moving on from in the offseason. And if they don't, I will have a conniption. And that is James Betcher. Because regardless of the Giants coming out on top, regardless of the New York Giants putting up 41 points, they had to go to overtime to beat the 3-12 and 12 Washington Redskins. The Redskins with Dwayne Haskins, who was lighting it up before he got hurt. And then Case Keenum, who was lighting yeah. it up towards the end of the game. The defense gave up 35 points, looked anemic. And the only reason why we won this game is because we won the coin flip. Yeah, 100%. That, that's exactly what you, you thought this game came down to, you know. Oddly enough, we, we, we talked about this too as well, about what you want to do, win or lose in, in these situations. And uh, everything that we, that we wanted to have happen, Daniel Jones having a very strong performance, you know, error-free football. Then by the time you get down there to overtime, you think, okay, you checked all those boxes. If you were to lose in overtime, it wouldn't be the end of the world because you can take a lot of positives out of it. And to your point, whoever won that toss was going to go down and score, it felt like it, and win the game. I, I will say some of the positives that we've been pointing out the last handful of weeks, individuals on the defensive side of the ball that we think have been playing well, young players, Baker leveling out a little bit. Uh, we've been highlighting how, how strong Dexter Lawrence gets, gets looked at there on pro football focus. But, you know, I, I think you're right. This is one uh, full credit to Andy because you didn't, you were not a fan of Betcher early on in the season. And sometimes it feels like, I know for myself, based on reputation, right, what he had done in Arizona, and you want to see that build here for the New York Giants. But now two years into this, into this run here with this coaching staff, to not have seen maybe at least some of those results, not just from a player perspective, like we highlight, guys showing some improvement, but not seeing some of that improvement on the scoreboard and not seeing some of that improvement in terms of sack totals and getting after the quarterback a bit more. They've been better this year statistically than they were last year, but that wasn't really a hard bar to reach. And I just don't think that we've seen the level of a game adjustment and certainly the level of scheme and player usage where coming into games like these against Miami, bit bigger, bigger, you know, uh, a gap of victory there. But against the Redskins, you wanted this to be a similar game to Miami, right? You want to win this one 35-17 or even 28-14 where it just felt like you were able to dictate and control this tempo as opposed to feel like Daniel Jones had to throw every one of his five touchdowns in order to get a win here. It felt like James Betcher was one of the Twitter trolls that was begging for the New York Giants to, to lose so that they can get a higher draft pick. That's what it, that's what it felt like to me. Like, it, it almost feels like he's sticking around through the end of the season because they know he doesn't make the right adjustments with the roster as it's currently constructed. 
And, and so they're basically saying, yeah, we want to give up a bunch of points. Whether we win or lose these games is not really what we're hoping for. We're hoping to, the, to try to have some of these young guys out there and learn game speed and, and understand, and, you know, get, get some seasoning under their <coughs> belt. But, yeah, I mean, we have to move on from him in the offseason. Yeah. You know, I, I, just don't, I, I just don't see any, any other way around it. So now, uh, before we – well, first and foremost, let's, let's get a couple of sponsors out of the way here, Andy, because we know this show doesn't run just on love. It's on all on self. we got to pump the product a little bit here. Vivid Seats has been one of our sponsors throughout the bulk of our season. You can go over and download that app. You're going to get automatically enrolled into the Vivid Seats Rewards program. You get credits back on every purchase that you make, and you can put those towards future purchases. We know that you can get in there, see the seat, the row, the section that you're going to get as you go to these big games. Maybe you want to check out this Giants-Eagles matchup as the Giants look to play spoilers to Philadelphia as they try to clinch a playoff berth here. You get over on the app. You can check out not just NFL games, all sporting events, theater, concerts, whatever you're looking for. It's a fantastic app. It gives you that 100% buyer guarantee so you know the quality of product that you are purchasing is going to be there each and every time. And when you go to make that purchase, first-time users go ahead and enter the promo code OVERTIME, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, at checkout to receive up to $100 off. Now, as we turn the page here, before we get to this Philly game, you uh, saw a, a great tweet that came across the wire in regards to some quarterback play comparing our young rookie over to uh, some of the quarterbacks that were taken in last year's draft class. And this is how you bang out one extra sponsor as well, sir. And we're not going to rush through it because every sponsor is important. But CBS Sports HQ is offering you the kind of coverage that you want focused in and around your team live 24-7 at the incredible cost of absolutely nothing to you, good sir, Andy Makowitz. It's, uh, it's sports coverage that's always on and always free. They have things like the betting lines. You want to talk about fantasy insights. You want to see the, the conversations in and around the locker room, what the coaches are talking about in the press conferences. Everything is going to be covered to give you the extra edge across all of your platforms, whatever you may be into in your free time. And don't forget, you also get to access this 100% free without any monthly, yearly, weekly, none of those subscriptions. You don't have to have a login to get into this. You don't have to put in an email. don't have to create a password. Just download the CBS Sports app on your phone or on Apple TV or on Roku or on Fire TV, or on any other connected device, quite frankly, and you can watch us CBS Sports HQ. There's no fake debates, just sports for real sports fans at the great price of completely free. That's what you get with CBS Sports HQ. Download and watch today. Wait, ah, Adam, Adam, yes, Adam. did you say free? That, free, Andy. That's correct. You know how you always want to get that thing? We talk about sometimes some other sources that we want to get some information around players. And I can't quite get there because there's just a little paywall between me and all that juicy information. 100% free for CBS Sports HQ. Excellent. Yeah, it is. It is, Andy. And, and, thank, and thank you for just reminding me to remind the people of that incredibly free, delicious little app that you can get in on. So with that, this is a place that you can go for some of this kind of information. I want to let you lead this one in here, Andy, because you're the one that brought it to my attention in the first place. QB assessments. There's some key stats here uh, that are worth noting, and I think it just kind of puts in perspective our young rookie QB. And at the tail end, I have a bit of a, a bit of a dovetail question for you, sir. Yeah, shout out to Will Presti on Twitter who posted this uh, just over the holiday weekend. I think he posted it on Sunday or Monday. Friend of the um, show, Will Presti. Yeah, of course, of course. Huge friend of the show. Big fan. Um, so, <laughs> so, so Will actually uh, compared Daniel Jones to the first four quarterbacks taken in the 2018 draft and how their rookie seasons went. Mm -hmm. So Josh Rosen did not qualify. Lamar Jackson didn't play enough games, so we're not including either of them into this. But when you look at quarterback rating, QBR, you look at touchdown, you know, passer rating, you look at total, uh, you know, touchdown passes, you look at completion percentage, all of those statistical categories, Daniel Jones is above Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, and Baker Mayfield. And yeah. the, the most fascinating thing is when we talk about touchdown passes, Daniel Jones leads the group with 20, Josh Allen, uh, Daniel Jones leads with 23, Josh Allen had 20, Baker Mayfield had 19, Sam Darnold had 18. Daniel Jones has 23 in four less starts. So when you talk about the completion percentage being above all of them, he also throws more touchdown passes in less games than them. 
and has a better passer rating and quarterback rating. Yeah, this was a really this was a really cool stat that that you picked up on there over on over on the old Twitter machine because you know again we highlight right you go back when the Giants decided to take Saquon Barkley all those questions a lot of the speculation was about you should have taken Sam Darnold there and this isn't a knock on any of these other quarterbacks what this is more highlighting is rookie season to rookie season apples to apples Daniel Jones an eighty eight and these are these are the silly not say silly ones but the less qualified rating scores just the rating eighty eight point nine. Josh Allen, 85.6, 85.1 Sam Darnold, 79.1 uh, for Baker Mayfield. You get inside that QBR where, again, Daniel Jones is top of that list at 53.6. All the way down at the bottom, by the way, is Sam Darnold at 43.1. So the interesting thing for me is not just that Daniel Jones tops the rating, QBR, touchdown, and then also completion percentage list where everyone's pretty tightly grouped there for completion percentage. The other thing is, though, these guys rotate around a little bit. You know, Josh Allen has the second highest rating, third highest QBR. He's second in touchdowns, but then he's actually, where does he, he actually ends up at the bottom for completion percentage, right? Baker Mayfield is pretty standard around the bottom, but QBR, he's actually the second highest behind Daniel Jones at 53.1. So you're seeing some of these other categories there where these other three quarterbacks rotate around, and then still consistently you find Daniel Jones at the top of that heap. And as you highlighted, even without playing, only 11 games now under his belt, and you've at least seen these flashes and the stat lines bear it out, that you can, you can now say the Giants made the right pick here at sixth overall, I think. And you can start to think about what is possible for him as he'll head into his second year once they wrap up the 2019 season. Well, and, and once Will looked at those stats, he kind of said, wow, Daniel Jones has a lot of touchdowns com- compared to the amount of starts he has. So he actually took that little nugget and moved it further. And just a- as an illustration, and you can do anything you want to massage stats, but I do find this just an interesting little nugget. Um, Daniel Jones ranks fourth in the NFL in touchdown passes per start. So you mm-hmm. have Drew Brees and Lamar Jackson each at 2.4 touchdowns per start. Uh, and then you have Matt Stafford at three, who is out for the year injured. And then you have Daniel Jones at four. So when we're not even comparing him to the other quarterbacks, now we could do these stats and say how many fumbles lost uh, for each of the quarterbacks in the league. And Daniel Jones will be at the top of, of that list with, I believe, 10 or 11. But sure. it's just an, this is just an illustration to not necessarily, like you said, bash any of the other quarterbacks, but just to say we think we found someone that in 11 starts is already showing <laughs> these flashes and, and some of the stats to back it up. Yeah, and obviously, and to, to whatever, to feel like we're being fair to the stats as well, we know that he's had three games that have combined for 13 touchdowns, right? So you know that he, he's exploded in a handful of matchups there. So I'd be curious to compare those numbers to some of the other names we mentioned in terms of average touchdowns per game uh, when you think about some of the ones where you only had one or, you know, a dud there. So they do get skewed a little bit. Uh, I'm not going to put in the piece about who they played against because your schedule is your schedule and that's the way that plays out. So I, I take nothing away from having five touchdowns against the Redskins, but bottom line being we have a quality quarterback. It looks like those two weeks off with that injury allowed him to even further himself a little bit more. And I'm really excited to see where he goes and with wondering where he's going to go. We turn our attention to this Philadelphia Eagles matchup coming up here uh, on Sunday for uh, all the marbles. If you're a Philadelphia Eagles fan, we, we, we talked about it a little bit earlier, right? Giants win against Washington. It hurts their draft stock a little bit there. Where do you fall on playing spoiler? Do you, would you, do you want to see does Jones play well, the team play well, and we lose? Or do you want to, to, unfortunately, give the Cowboys a playoff berth by taking it away from the Philadelphia Eagles? I don't know. I mean, it's an impossible choice, right? If, if you win the game – you hurt your draft pick. You hurt your draft stock. You know where you're going to pick in in the upcoming draft, and you send the Cowboys presumably to the playoffs. I mean, both of those, like it hurts, and all of that just to beat the Eagles to make sure the Eagles don't make the playoffs. I, I mean, to be honest with you, I think it goes to what we've talked about before. I just want our young talent to play well, and I, I. I I just want to make sure that we see them progressing. And whether that means we win the game or lose the game, I'm not really as concerned about the outcome. Like you said before with the Redskins, I would have probably preferred to, to lose the game in the end and you know, lose that coin toss and, and have them go down. But we did get some good takeaways from that. Caden Smith looked great. Daniel Jones led a 63-yard 60, march down the field in overtime when, when it counted. So, I mean, I'm on the fence on this one. I really don't know 
you know, I know what the optimal outcome is, but if we can't have, you know, the Giants play very, very well and lose the game, then I, I don't know what else we could be rooting for. Well, you know, it is funny, though, because uh, one of the things was if the, I think it was Stephen A. Smith, maybe uh, going back before the holiday, he said the most cowboy, the most Dallas cowboying thing that they could do would be to have the Giants beat the Eagles so they could go to the playoffs and then have them lose to the Redskins and still not make it, you know, based on their own ineptitude to not be able to be because they'll be playing the Washington Redskins. So, you know, it's going to be interesting. Like you said, I, the idea of sending the Cowboys to the playoffs, I will say silver line, this is what some fans have pointed to as well. If somehow sending the Cowboys to the playoffs had them keep Jason Garrett, who I think is someone that they need to move on from, then maybe that's a little bonus for us as well. And, but ultimately for me, man, I, I said this about the Washington game. I, it is easy to look at it and say, you did it. You did think, so many things well. If you lose it, you keep your draft stock. I, I, I waffled on this throughout the year, and I said it on the podcast. I went back and forth a lot of times because I've always been someone who wants to see my team win. And I, I, I very rarely concern myself with how it impacts the draft and potential players that we could get until the season is completely done, and then you take a look at it. Um, I went back and forth on it, but down the stretch here, especially with the Miami game, with the way some of the young players on the defensive side of the ball were playing, I, I just think that wins are too valuable for the young team that needs to. You can laugh, laugh it off as far as Dave Gettleman building the culture, but you do need to have that attitude about wanting to win and wanting to go out and play. And none of these NFL players go out into games thinking, if you think any Giant cares about getting the second overall pick or the fourth overall pick or what that means to them, they're potentially playing for their future NFL career because they may not be on the roster next season. So you know all these guys are going out there and giving 100% of their effort. And I really just take away from it and saying, if you can beat the Philadelphia Eagles, get a win, make yourself feel good, another good performance for Daniel Jones, maybe the defense has a play or two in it uh, from an individual performance perspective, I think you have to go for it. And you wait and see. You can talk about Chase Young all you want. That's all potential. And I know that's really, really high potential. But right now, that's all that that is. You have quantifiable talent in Saquon Barkley, quantifiable talent in Daniel Jones. So, you know, and then you look at free agency where you can get quantifiable talent that you know what they are. So I, I, I tend to go away from that now and think, go out there, do everything you can to win a game and, and worry about what happens on the back end when the time comes. I couldn't agree more. And I can't, I, I can't state this enough. The people on Twitter that are so upset that the Giants won the game against the Redskins because it, it really killed our chances of getting Chase Young. I don't understand what you want the giant players to do. Mm-hmm. Like, what, what, what is the alternative? I, I just don't understand. Like, everyone just says, oh, we botched it, we blew it. Like, do you want Daniel Jones to not throw the game-winning touchdown pass? Do you not want these coaches that are on the hot seat not try to win games and save their job? Like, I, uh, if someone provided me a better answer to how we got to losing the game, I, I, like, mm-hmm. I, it would make more sense to me. But – it's just absolutely ludicrous when people get all bent out of shape. Oh, it's a typical Giants move right now. You know, futility. We screwed this one up again. We missed our chance at Chase Young. We have so many more holes to fill than just Chase Young as well. And we're going to be picking in the top five, six picks in the draft. Yeah. There's going to be some good offensive tackles. There's some good linebackers that we may need. We have so many holes to fill that I just can't believe people nitpick at the fact that they're – Franchise quarterback threw five touchdowns and had zero interceptions. Their star running back had 280 yards all perfect. <laughs> yeah. What else do you want them to do? I don't get it. Well, that, that, that's the big problem. Is like, you know, it's one thing if you had won the game and everyone looked horrible and it was just you know, a battle of ineptitude against Washington and you won the game 9-7 or something. That'd be okay. You, then you could make, maybe you could make the argument. But when you have so many positive things to take out of that game, it's definitely frustrating, man. As we've done this podcast and I've been engaging more and more on, on Facebook and these you know, message boards and these Facebook groups and all this stuff, it really just at a certain point I have to kind of just turn my mind off to most of it because a lot of it is just kind of mindless drivel. Uh, in terms of you know what what you want the team to be doing or what they should be doing, the the last thing here before we do get into this Eagles game and, and what you think could happen here is, I do have to say now we highlighted Daniel Jones and what he accomplished in his rookie year, and this goes back to what I mentioned earlier. Uh, you know, right now a lot of, a lot of the speculations that Steve Tisch is really pushing for you know overhaul throughout the entire organization uh, in the off season. It looks like he's the big proponent of it, as opposed to uh, Mara, who has struggled to maybe move on from some old habits in the course of his ownership. So I'll be curious to see what happens here. But 
you talked so positively about Daniel Jones and his progress. I, and I'm not, I'm not saying one way or the other what I think the Giants should do, but in terms of Pat Shermer and being the head coach, I mean, you have to give – he has to get some amount of credit for Daniel Jones' success this season, doesn't he? I mean, you know, that, that has to be a part of his selling point to being kept here, you know, is that <laughs> look what I've done with the rookie quarterback. He's had – he was better than all the other rookie quarterbacks from last year, and he's showing you this upside, and that is technically what he was brought in to do was to be the, quote, QB whisperer. Any, I want to get your thoughts on that. But as the head coach, you need to manage the entire – team during the entire game and the mismanagement of timeouts some of the ridiculous play calling that's been going on that falls squarely on his shoulders we, we can't just say oh he got one thing right and give him the credit on that when he was the ultimate one making the decisions on whether or not to call timeout or challenge plays in critical situations I while I appreciate that Daniel Jones doesn't sit in a vacuum alone by himself and all his successes go directly towards Daniel Jones. I just feel that there's so many other pieces that Pat Shermer has really bungled uh, for the Giants this year where I just don't think that we can go through this again next year and expect there to be better results. Yeah, and listen, I I tend to go on that side of the fence with you. Uh, The curiosity as well that I had was, you know, they, they talked about how you have to get this right. You know, you, you can't keep pivoting or doing these different things. You know, you don't want to stay with Pat Shermer and Dave Gettleman if you feel like it's time to move on. I kind of forgot here that Shermer was given a five-year contract. You know, so there, there, there's something to the idea of it. I'm not saying that doesn't mean that in the first two years he's shown you enough that, you, that it was a mistake. But, you know, you could almost go back two years and say, okay, we know we need to rebuild this thing. We know it's going to be long-term. So maybe, you know, so the results of the first couple of years aren't necessarily going to be the referendum on this thing. And I always just wonder, you know, fan, fan noise. And, and listen, Mara has shown that he'll listen to some of that stuff. He does seem like he's, he's sensitive to what the fan base has to say. But you do kind of wonder about that side of it where you go, you gave him a five-year deal because you wanted to have someone in place that as you work through this rebuild, you'd feel like you come out on the other side of it. I tend to be on, on, the, top, on, on the thinking of, if you could have had Pat Shermer as your offensive coordinator, I think the Giants would have been really happy with that. Uh, you know, and obviously you can't back your way into that situation now. But I did just think about that five-year contract piece and how that's, you know, it will be a lot of money to, to, to pay a head coach to go away, essentially. And uh, you don't stick out with somebody just because of a contract. But that had to have been the thinking for them. This is a long-term reclamation, and we want Shermer to be here once all the pieces have come together to see then how he could execute. And I just wonder if Shermer has undone some of that confidence that the organization originally had when they hired him. Adam, when you look at Andy, everything in its totality, they are averaging 21.6 points per game, bottom half in the league. Mm -hmm. They are giving up 27.8 points, bottom five in the league. When you look during the middle of the season, they lost nine straight games, nine. A lot of those were one possession games where critical timeouts and challenges were, were made and, and were not overturned and just complete mismanagement of some of the play calling on, on short down and distances, trying to get back into the game. When you look at it all in its totality, you can't, we can't just cherry pick and say, Daniel Jones has been a bright spot. Let's just let Pat Shermer continue with this. We're bottom half in offense, bottom half in defense. We lost nine straight games. We've seen a couple flashes of brilliance from Saquon and Daniel Jones, but that doesn't mean that we keep someone around another year just to hope that things can get better than what we've seen already. Yeah, 100%, by the way. I'm playing devil's advocate here. I I am in the camp of we should move on from Shermer. I like the idea of going to a guy like Matt Rule and and trying to really turn over this regime and and figure out how you put someone in place, a figurehead in place, uh, that is going to be mean success for your team long term. So I do believe in that. And these are just kind of the thoughts that you rattle around with as you move through the latter parts of a bad season and some wins get picked up. You just, you know, you scratch your head a little bit on them. But with that, we turn our attention towards uh, we turn our attention towards the Philadelphia Eagles game here. What are your expectations coming into this one? Assuming that as we've highlighted, we're okay with wins if everyone's playing well. Do you think that the Giants can get not only revenge on the Eagles from a loss earlier in the year, but revenge by possibly kicking them out of the playoffs? What do, what do you look at as some of the matchups and just interesting in-game things that you want to see? 
You know, I do, I do find it interesting that the Eagles were left for dead after the loss at Miami, which looks like a pretty poor loss for them. Yeah. But then they go out and they win three straight division games versus the Giants, versus the Redskins, versus the Cowboys, with the Cowboys one being enormous because essentially they would be eliminated from postseason play without that win. But at, at the same time, they – we're losing the Giants game for the majority of the game. The Redskins game, they were actually down, I think, in the second or third quarter and, and had to scramble to end up coming back and winning that game. And the Cowboys game was kind of a little bit of a, a low-end dogfight. It, it hasn't really changed my opinion all that much on, on the Eagles. I think they're just a very mediocre team. They're 8-7. and seven. They're middle of the road. They, you know, on offense, are 15th in the league in points. And they're rough, I think they're roughly around 15 or 16 uh, on points against. They're literally the definition of a mediocre team right now. And they're 8-7, and seven, and the Giants have a legitimate chance of making them 8-8. Eight and eight. Yeah, and they get the win against the Dallas Cowboys. And again, it feels like that thing of, you know, <laughs> you beat the Cowboys to keep your playoff hopes alive. Another team that kind of seems like mediocre. Now, I would say the Eagles suffered from – Thinking they, or they, had, they had injuries this year, I think, is a big factor for them, especially a wide receiver. Um, so they've had their problems, but they suffered from that sense of we're still the same team we were that went to the Super Bowl and won, as opposed to the Cowboys that I think have suffered from, on paper, we're a better team than we, than we, than we really end up playing on the field. And so you have these two teams at the start of the year, you're talking about 10-6, and 11-5, you know, big win totals here in a battle for the East. They are still in a battle. But it just turns out it's a, it's a battle of mediocrity. So, you know, in this one, we've talked about the secondary in the last matchup. I think uh, now with Daniel Jones under center for the Giants, it's going to be interesting to see if they can have a similar level of success against the secondary that you saw against Washington. Uh, so we highlighted some depleted uh, at the tight end position, but Caden Smith has done a nice job there. The reemergence of Saquon Barkley. I, I once again kind of look at this game as being one – that will not get to the point total we saw because I think you saw both defenses basically take a, uh, take a flyer on playing last week between Washington and New York. But this is going to be, I think, a back-and-forth game, and I think it's going to be the kind of one where maybe it could require Daniel Jones and the Giants to have to come from behind a little bit, could find themselves down 7 or 10 in the second half at some point, um, and it's going to be whether or not can you have more error-free football on the offensive side and because I think even with a, a struggling defense that we've had and, and the issues for James Betcher, if you can play error-free football, last week I think shows it. The Giants can win you games offensively. It's just going to be whether or not they avoid costly fumbles or turnovers. Yeah, I, I agree. And is there any – I mean, Adam, th think of it this way. Is there anything that you saw in the Redskins game defensively that makes us think that Carson Wentz is not going to be able to move the ball against the Giants? Well, no, and, as I, and listen, the combination of uh, Dwayne Haskins and Case Keenum, that's not Carson Wentz. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, you are a far not. cry away from where Carson Wentz is in his career right now. So, you know, you're not going to get some of the drives where you get them off the field because of a, a, a handful of bad passes from Dwayne Haskins before he got injured. You're going to have to, at some point, make a play, or you're going to find yourself giving up, you know I mean, you give up 35, I don't know, you know, 50? <laughs> I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's one of those games where I do think, again, this is going to be another high-scoring game. The Giants have not shown the ability to stop anyone. And while, you know, I, while the, the sentiment of either the Eagles have the urgency because they need to make the playoffs or the Giants want to play spoilers, I think we're going to see another close game just because it's, too, you know, the Eagles are a very mediocre team and the Giants are pretty good offensively when Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley are healthy. Yeah, and honestly, I think early in this one, we've seen flashes of from the defense, right, where they've been able to stymie a couple of rushing attempts. I think Sanders is going to play a big role in this one, or the success for uh, the Eagles as well, because we've seen how he can kind of be a bit of a game changer uh, for Philadelphia for stretches. Um, if the Giants defensively in that front can stuff a couple of runs early and maybe a, you know an incomplete pass, if you can get off the field a couple of times early in this one and Daniel Jones can come out – move the ball effectively offensively and you have a lead, I think you can be playing that kind of game. And then oddly enough, I mean, listen, we tied these podcasts together with a nice little bow for you. It may come down to the Giants being up three late in the game 
and, and whether or not Shermer is making the right play call selections to burn out the clock, whether or not even if they are down three or so, you know, do you have the timeouts on hand to be able to do those things? Have, can you make the adjustments on the fly that we saw Doug Peterson uh, make for the Eagles in the last matchup coming out of halftime, and that's how they won that game? So there's a lot of things at play here, and it ultimately will be, I think, telling about the offense, the young players on that unit, the coaching staff and where they stand heading into the offseason, and then also on the defensive side of the ball and what we have expectations for some of these players as well. So you don't put all your eggs into a one-game basket, but I think you're going to kind of get the microcosm of the entire Giants season in this one game. And when you talk about this one-game basket, that transitions us nicely to our potential predictions on this game, Adam. Well, my friend, my friend, we come back here again. You know, we open things up on the One Giant Podcast to include some some outside selections looking around the league. And, well, it hasn't been kind to Andy Makowitz. A dominant 7-1 performance from yours truly really finds me with a vice-like grip on this thing. Some speculation from fan bases that I, I was on the fence and very loosely shouted out my prediction for the Giants' victory last week. Unfortunately, I went to the higher-ups on the podcast. They said it was a clean selection, and that's going to give me the maintained one-point uh, one lead in our win total for the specific Giant, Giants game selection. So um, your Listen, choice if, here, Mandy. I'll pick first if you want. If, if you want the asterisk uh, against your, your win total, that's completely fine. I, I know the, the listeners are with me. They understand you shout out both directions. You're bound to hit one. So well, here's what I'm willing to do. This is, a, this is Giants getting four over under 45. It's your choice. You tell me. who I'm taking the other team. Whatever your selection is, I'm taking the other one. So you have an opportunity to go neck and neck here for the season series. I'm not even going to think about it. I'm just going to tell you. You dictate, and I'll give you my score line. So, Adam, if you're going to do this to me, let me tell you where I stand, and then I'll give my prediction. So Okay. I do think this is going to be another relatively high-scoring affair. Our defense has not shown the ability to stop anyone anywhere, anytime. Um, like we talked about, you have a young Dwayne Haskins and an older Case Keenum. It didn't matter who was in there. They were all throwing the ball around the yard on our team. Um, I do think the Giants are going to be able to, to move the ball. I think something is clicking with Daniel Jones and having a healthy Saquon does help us quite a bit. <sighs> the part where you say you're taking the Eagles. Well, you know, uh, when I look at when I look at the two different teams and I think about the two key positions and the two key positions are <laughs> quarterback and head coach. And while Daniel Jones is playing amazing right now, Carson Wentz has also looked great over the last few weeks with depleted talent on the outside. I mean, the things that he's doing right now and kind of willing this team on his back, knowing that half of his wide receivers are out has been impressive. And when you go to the coaching, I mean, it's, it might be one of the more lopsided matchups in terms of, uh, of coaching when you have Doug Peterson versus Pat Shermer and, and who's going to get creative and who's, who's going to be the one to, to make the, the right call at the, at the critical time. So, yeah, <sighs> Adam, I, I just – every bone in my body says to pick the Eagles. Okay. Every bone. But I can't do it. I can't. I have to go. I have to go with the Giants. I just wow that okay. there's something going on with Daniel Jones. I think something clicked, and I know it was the Redskins, <laughs> and that's why I'm not going to say 41 points. I am going to take the Giants in a tight one, a nail biter. Give me the Giants, 28. The Eagles, 27. Oh, you're talking down to the wire. Last second opportunity. Maybe it's 27-21 late, and this is game drive, game winning drive kind of time for Danny Dimes. Yeah, I, I could see it. I mean, I could see the Giants being up in this game. You know, I, 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 I'm very torn and conflicted on it. I think something clicked for, for Daniel Jones and, and Saquon together and, and hoping that, uh, you know, Shula and Shermer can, can kind of figure whatever that out is, bottle it up and, and make it on <laughs> So. Figure out whatever that thing is that they're doing. Uh, no, listen, I, I, I do get where you're coming from. I think there's a lot of positives to take away from that Washington Redskins game. As I said, you, you made your choice for the Giants, so I'm taking Philadelphia. And maybe most appropriately, we could find ourselves sitting here talking about being in a dead heat for the season series uh, at, at the end of it all. But 
Uh, if, if I looked at this one, I mean, I'm in the same boat as you, right? You so many positives to take away from last week's game. You have to then also just think about, boy, it was the Washington Redskins, and, and they are even as bad as Philadelphia's secondaries look at the time. They still are the Redskins, um, and they had a quarterback that the starting quarterback goes down, you know, with Case Keenum, Carson Wentz, the Doug Peterson piece of it. So uh, I, I think that this can be an over of the 45, so I, I would take that as you would as well with the 28-27 prediction. If I'm taking Philly in this one, boy, I w- I'm going to go with a – I'm going to go 31-24 Philadelphia. I just think that they'll do a couple of things different. This goes back to your point about coaching. I think they'll make some adjustments at halftime. Um, I don't know if I think it's going to be a 100% clean game from Daniel Jones. So maybe one one mistake along the way costs them. And, uh, and this is one that just kind of get, just gets away from the Giants. And that's okay, though. Still, I think, going to be a good performance from the offensive unit. And there will be a lot of things to hang their hat on. But I think that Philadelphia is scrappy enough. And coming off, the, you know, you beat Dallas head-to-head. I don't think they're going to have the letdown against the Giants that keeps them potentially out of the playoffs. So I'll go ahead and take Philadelphia. Heart of hearts, I don't know which way I would go. But we'll, we'll see how it plays out on Sunday. And now, Andy, let's throw in our little bonus picks here. This hasn't been. This has not been kind to you, if I could just say. It's it, not done great for you overall. <laughs> it, it has not been as kind as as I would hope it would be. But Adam, why don't I give you the chance to go first? Because I've I've laid it on our listeners. Let's give them some positives to start. What do you got for me? Yeah, I'm gonna. You know, I'm looking. I'm looking around the league. I'm looking, and I'm liking. And I'm trying to find a way. That, again, let's try to get that door open for you. You know what I mean? I want to give you a chance here. Uh. You know what? Actually, this will just be a this will be a fun one, given what the line is at right now. I'm going to take the Miami Dolphins getting 16 against New England Patriots. That's my that's my first big pick there. 16. I just think 16 is an enormous number, and I, honestly, I, I can easily see every single one of the New England Patriots backups in the second half winning this game and it being a non-issue. But uh, you know, it's still a divisional matchup. Maybe the the Dolphins scrap and they lose the game 31 to 17 and then they get the coverage, you know, 31, 14, they, they'll, they'll lose that. But, you know, so I'm taking a shot here. I've got a pretty healthy lead. I can, I can afford to gamble. Interesting. You know, I, I kind of like that one. The Patriots do need a win in order to, to get the buy. So I, I do think they're going to be coming out uh, playing hard, but the Dolphins have been relatively competitive after being demolished the first few games of the season. So I don't mind that. surprisingly my pick is going to be the Chicago bears minus three on the road at Minnesota. Wow. And, and and the reason why is because like good coaches do, um, you know, Mike Zimmer has basically come out and said, we cannot improve our playoff seating. We're not going to get anybody hurt. Right. Kirk cousins will not be starting. Dalvin cook will not be playing. Anyone with a questionable tag will be sitting in street clothes on the side of the bench. And when the team has nothing to play for, whereas Mitch Trubisky is basically fighting to make sure he can either have his job next year or compete for his job next year. um, I think I could see the the bears coming out and playing hard in this one. Whereas the Minnesota Vikings uh, with their, all of their backups and are basically punting until, until the playoffs. So give me the bears minus three. Sure. That's not a bad one. Okay. And now for our head-to-head battle here as we look around the league, I think we have to go to this one. Uh, maybe, there's, maybe there's some juicier takes out there. Uh, but doesn't everything uh, – I hope I'm not wrong here. Doesn't everything kind of hang in the balance with San Francisco and Seattle right now? It, it does. I mean, that, that's why the, the playoff seating for the Vikings is the only one that's kind of set on the NFC side. There's about 15 different scenarios based on San Francisco winning or Seattle winning and, and th- you know how New Orleans finishes up that could really – shake up how the, the, the NFC looks. Um, so Adam, the, the line is three and a half. Um, I, do you want me to, to, to give it a go or, or yeah, go ahead, to- man, go ahead. To, to, to give me your hot take here. This is your opportunity to make this thing look respectable. So give me the 49ers giving three and a half. I think, you know, you look at Seattle, Seattle is such an interesting team to me. Their point differential is less than like 10 points on the year, yet they could be a team that gets a first-round bye. So mm-hmm. they, they are so interesting. They lost Chris Carson. It looks like they lost Rashad Penny. 
Um, yeah, they did. They, they signed Beast Mode off the street, who has not played in basically a year. Uh, yeah, I just think Seattle's really asking Russell Wilson to, to pull another rabbit out. And I think the San Francisco defense is, is ready to take the next step. So I'm taking San Francisco laying the three and a half. All right, listen, then I'll go ahead and I'll take those three and a half points and I will just uh, cross my fingers because I, I, I'll be curious to see how this game plays out. This will be a fun one just to watch from a pure fan perspective because, uh, like you said, you know, a couple ups and downs here for San Francisco over the back end of it. And then Seattle, you lose both of your starting or whatever you want to line them up, but you lose both of those running backs. You're going to be depleted. It's going to be everything on the shoulders of Russell Wilson. And he has shown the ability to, to take that load on his shoulders and still give you a W at the end of the day. So that'll be a fun one to watch. A lot of points up in the air here. And uh, we'll see how the, at the end of the season series shakes out. For the sake of the podcast, Andy, for the sake of our friendship, I hope that the Giants get that W. That, that's what I would love to see uh, from a pure fan perspective. I'd love to see Daniel Jones go and just give one last victory for the year, send himself off into the offseason on a high note, not unlike Eli Manning did in his rookie campaign as well, bounce out the Philadelphia Eagles from playoff contention. Um, that would just be a great, a great positive note to end things on. And then you worry about, as we said, the draft when it happens. That'll be something after the season wraps up. And they now come back in when we kind of know where we're going to be stacking up there at the top of the draft and start to dive into some of these free agency conversations that have been had now that Chase Young looks like he's out of reach for us in that draft. So where do we go to get an edge rusher? Some good names out there for us. Anything you want to leave the, uh, the fine fans with before we 22 skidoo? Yeah, small side note, probably won't get into the game, barring injury, but this is probably the last time you're going to see Eli Manning in a New York Giants uniform on the sidelines. So cherish every moment that you get to see Eli because he is just an absolute treasure and has been one of those top five you know, New York athletes of the last 20, 25 years. And he, he embodies uh, everything that you want from a starting NFL quarterback. So shout out to Eli. We'll, we'll give him one, one last round of applause, even though he probably won't get in. But something to think about as you watch the game on Sunday. Yeah, and just like Eli Manning will probably do when this one wraps up, let's go ahead and grab a six-pack, hit the road, and have a couple laughs. Let's go Big Blue. Perfect. This has been One Giant Podcast.